When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." This is the word of God for the people of God. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the scripture reading every time we have this scripture reading. Having to name off all of the locations and peoples. Thank you, Elizabeth. Since the resurrection morning of Easter, we have been reviewing a number of encounters with the risen Christ. Jesus has been making the rounds, appearing to the women at the tomb, to Thomas and the disciples behind locked doors, to people walking on the road to Emmaus. He was even found making breakfast on the beach. And if you will recall from last week's sermon, Jesus has finally taken his trip up Jacob's ladder into the great beyond. Before his departure, though, he gave a rather unusual set of instructions. He told his disciples to return to Jerusalem, ordering them to stay until they had received the promise of the Father. So the disciples did as they were told. They returned to Jerusalem, and they found a place on the second floor. And together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers, they constantly devoted themselves to prayer. 
And then when the day of Pentecost had come, and when they were all together in one place, God made good on this promise. Now here's why this is absolutely crazy. Jesus sends them back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. What happened in Jerusalem? Anybody? Any takers? Not a super tricky question. That's where they killed Jesus. (laughs) That's where they killed him. The Last Supper happened in Jerusalem. The chief priests and the whole council who were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. The people who put up all that silver for his betrayal, they are in Jerusalem. The soldiers who took Jesus away are in Jerusalem. The servant girls, the bystanders who surrounded Peter, identifying him as a follower of Jesus, are still in Jerusalem. Pilate lives in a palace in Jerusalem. Those who cried out for Barabbas, that's my man, Barabbas, I want him. I don't care about Jesus. Let his blood be on us and our children. Those who cried out for that, they are in Jerusalem. The very men who built the cross, who swung the whip, who hammered the nails and beat his head, those who weaved a crown of thorns, can all be found in and around Jerusalem. And God says, go there. God says, that's where I want to be. That's where I am going to manifest my spirit. That's where I'm going to pour out my gifts to the church. This is where my work will begin. We're not going to start this in the fields or in the suburbs. This is not going to come from the quiet and the peaceful This world will not be changed from the outside in, but from the inside out. So you go back to Jerusalem. You go back and you walk the streets of ignorance and violence. You go back and you wait amongst those who would do you harm. You go back where there is corruption. To where the temple is filled with hypocrites, liars, and murderers. And it is there. That you will pray. You will gather together and you will pray. And that's just the first part. It gets even crazier than that. The disciples went, they lived, they prayed, they organized, and they prepared themselves for God knows what until the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, the term Pentecost comes from the Greek Pentecoste, which just means 50th. It is the festival, it refers to the festival which is celebrated on the 50th day after Passover, which is also called the Feast of Weeks. In Hebrew, they call it Shavuot. So today it's been 50 days since the Last Supper, less than two months, and chronologically we have felt that same time from here back to Easter. Now, in the Hebrew tradition, Shavuot, or Pentecoste, has a dual significance. Firstly, it marks the all-important wheat harvest in the land of Israel. 
In ancient times, the, uh, the grain harvest lasted for seven weeks. It was a season of gladness. It began with the harvesting of the barley at Passover and ended with a big festival and the harvesting of wheat at Shavuot. Secondly, it also commemorates the anniversary of when God gave the Torah to the entire nation of Israel as they gathered and assembled at Mount Sinai. Shavuot is a day of meals and merriment. It is the concluding festival of the grain harvest. It is a day to celebrate the beginning of Jewish religious tradition. It can be looked at as the day that Judaism came into being. So take note here of how God works. The disciples find themselves in a city that is filled with people who are against them. People who are in the midst of celebrating their cultural and religious history. It is a feast of weeks. God has even made sure that there will be people from every corner of the Jewish nation present. Acts 2 verse 5 says, Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. So this is going to be a public event. God is not interested in hiding God has no desire to remain in the upper room. The good news is news for everyone, and it must be contagious. It must spread like wildfire, and it must go out quickly to every man, woman, and child, to people of all creeds, colors, and nationalities. The Jewish people are celebrating what they have and who they are. But as we will see, when the Spirit is moving, it moves you forward showing what you need and who you will become. So suddenly, quickly, not slowly, suddenly, like the rush of a violent wind, here now is this audible summons, a sound so great that it echoed throughout the entire city, permeating down every street through every open door and window strong and violent, not only with a great volume, but with a great force, turning all heads to its origin like a star above a manger. This noise is directing all who hear it to come and see what has happened. The people began to gather, and what did they see? They saw tongues of fire resting on all the recipients of God's promise. Here, this fire was an outward sign confirming the faith of the disciples themselves to be used for the convincing of others. The sign that was given was one of fire. Matthew 3, verse 11, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so here they were in the Feast of Pentecost, celebrating the memorial of giving the law upon Mount Sinai, and since that was too, was given in fire. It is called the fiery law, so too is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Exodus 19, verse 18, Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. 
It's all coming together. There they were, divided tongues of fire on each of them. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the graces of the Holy Spirit. Filled with the comforts of the Holy Spirit. Rejoicing more than ever in the love of Christ. They did not know fear or grief. They did not hesitate even here in the center of Jerusalem. They were also filled with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, endowed with miraculous powers to proclaim and further the gospel. And they spoke, oh, they spoke clearly and fluently to everyone who had gathered. And they're all walking around amazed and perplexed, saying, what does this mean? Why is this happening? Are these people feasting a little too heartily? Are they celebrating Shavuot a little too much? Well, Peter, 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 Peter has a few things to say. He's got a quick quip for the doubters and the haters. Peter has a few choice words for the chief priests and the whole council. He's going to speak first to those soldiers, to the servant girls and the bystanders He's speaking to those who cried out for Barabbas. He is speaking to the men who rolled dice for clothing. Peter stands up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed them. And he said, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem. You listen to me. You listen to what I have to say. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter does not seek their attention. He demands it. He says, get real. Use some common sense. It's nine in the morning. This is God at work. This has been foretold. You knew this was coming. We are here filled with the fire of God's spirit to prophesy, to see visions and to dream. We are here to make a scene, to stir things up. All of us, the men and the women, the slaves and the free, your sons and your daughters, the young and the old, all of us together. God is working above and we are working below. Can you not see it? Do you not see the blood, the fire and the smoke? This was all prophesied before. This is what was promised. And therefore, you ought to expect it. Don't be surprised. You should want this. You should welcome it. Don't hide from it. The Spirit is moving. And we are bringing Jesus to the streets. So much so that 3,000 were saved that day. I had the privilege recently... um, to go and meet with our new bishop, Sharma Lewis. And if anybody's on fire for God, it's her, let me tell you. We came together in the group of clergy that were there, and she, we got to worship and pray, and she preached. And as part of that time together, she shared this story with us as a means, um, I don't know if it was for conviction, to convict us, to encourage us, but this was the story she shared, and I'll share it with you this morning. Once there was a downtown church that was on its last legs. They were already, there were already some discussions about closing down the church. 
selling the building or merging with another congregation. And the pastor of this church had tried every trick in the book to engage the congregation and reawaken their passion for Christ. But numbers were down. Offerings had dried up and there were no volunteers for the clothes closet or for monthly community dinners. They were in rough shape. Well, early one morning, the pastor received a call from the fire department that there was a problem at the church. After calling the chair of the trustees, the pastor arrived at the church to see that the building was ablaze. The firemen had been there for a while already, and they were doing their best to douse the flames in an attempt to save some portion of the sanctuary. But as they worked through the early morning hours, it became clear that not very much of the church would be left standing. As the day went on, members of the congregation arrived to see what was going on, to pray with the pastor, and then eventually sort through what may be left. Before they were allowed near the building, though, the firemen, of course, had to make sure that everything was completely safe. And in the process of going in and out, they would bring a couple of items with them and just place them along the sidewalk. Well, as the pastor was speaking to the fire marshal about what may have caused this fire, he noticed that a number of his parishioners were gathering together around one particular item that the firemen had laid out. Everyone was struggling to get through and take pictures with their phones, so of course the pastor rushed over to see what they had found. Once he made his way through the throng, he saw a simple framed picture, a painting, of Jesus with some sheep. Now this picture was one that had hung in the back corner of the fellowship hall for well over 50 years. One that everyone passed by to get their food during a dinner event. One that was close enough to the corner that it was often covered by stacks of chairs. Well, one of the church members grabbed the pastor's hand and said, Pastor, oh, pastor, it's a miracle. I know we've been struggling lately, but this picture has survived the fire completely unscathed. God is giving us a sign. And the pastor goes, he sure is. Because it wasn't until this church literally caught fire and Jesus was brought out here to the streets that you all paid any interest in him. And we all laughed and finally that was the story. That's the story she told us to inspire us to come back to our flocks with this idea. In Acts 2 verse 19 As he's recounting the prophet, Peter says, I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood, fire, and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, on Monday... August 21st of this year, there will be a full solar eclipse that diagonally traverses the continental United States. On Wednesday, 
January 31st of 2018, there will be a full lunar eclipse over all of North America. We awoke this morning to news of another terrorist attack in the UK. And the fire marshal is currently investigating a number of fires that have been started downtown, one of them just on the steps of the Episcopal office building diagonal from our church. Now, I am not crazy enough to tell you that the last days are upon us and the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day is at hand. But I will tell you this. We are closer today than we were yesterday. And I will tell you that the city of Charlottesville and the downtown community are clearly caught up in a smoky mist that sometimes makes it difficult for us to see each other clearly. But amidst this chaos and this violence, with all of this blood and all of this fire, in a town where an unusually high number of women have gone missing, in a town where the mentally ill stand at stoplights and where confrontation and anger light up our screens, I will tell you with all of my heart and with all of my soul, God is still pouring out his spirit on those who ask for it. God is still calling us to wait in Jerusalem God is beseeching us to gather together and pray, all of us, the women and the men, the young and the old, the sons and the daughters, we must be prepared to prophesy, to envision a better future, to dream of God's kingdom, and to stand up like Peter and speak with the full authority and power of the Holy Spirit. And with this holy fire in our hearts, we are to take Jesus to the streets. Now, lastly, this morning, I got to tell you, because I woke up at five o'clock to write it into the sermon. As God's people gathered together to pray, God poured out his spirit and upon them rested divided tongues of fire. Divided. In that room of disciples, there were people who could speak to this group and people who could speak to that group. There were disciples who could speak to the Parthians and disciples who could speak to the Egyptians. And if we so choose to acknowledge God's spirit in our midst this morning, then we need to be prepared for there to be people here who can proclaim the gospel to different groups. In some ways, we are a diverse congregation politically, economically, socially. And so we need to have people here with the ability to speak to liberals, to speak to conservatives. We need to have tongues of fire that proclaim truth to the wealthy and truth to the poor. We are in need of gifts here that minister to the young and that minister to the old. At any one time here, we have roughly between three and four pastors that work with this church, and all of us are very different. 
probably for this very purpose. But I got to tell you, when it comes to grace, mercy, and the transforming love of Jesus Christ, Al, Harry, Barbara, and myself are all of one mind and one spirit. And so we must remember that in our division of ministry, we must remain reconciled in that love. The Pacha ministry is different than the Thursday morning women's Bible study, but both of them are united in Christ. The Good News prison ministry is different from our weekly bread and blessing soup kitchen, but both of them exist under a gospel of love. Our church has hosted preschool parties and funerals on the same day. So, with all of this in mind, I invite you to take out these cards. Did you get these as you came in? All right. Because it's time to pray. If God has called us together here into this one space, perhaps not the upper room, but the lower room, if God has called us here together to pray, then let us pray. And if you didn't get one, you can grab someone your way out and come back and put them in. But here's the idea. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So the first question is, what does God want me to do? As we look out on a world that is filled with blood, smoke, and fire, how is the spirit directing you to act? What languages will you speak? What will you do? And secondly, what does God want our church to do? How do you feel God is speaking to our entire church? Will the sounds from this room echo through the city with the force of a mighty wind? Or will we, like the pastor from the church in that story, hear only phone calls and sirens? Question is, how do you want to burn? And that's a hard question. So this morning as we come to this table, the table that is open to everyone, I want you to be in prayer. I want you to pray. The communion service is a prayer service. I want you to pray. We ask together for God to pour out his spirit on all who have gathered here and on these gifts. So we're going to pray that together today. Let's come to the table.